Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I don't know what that's all about. How about we spend another couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation. Oh, and it's going to be energetic and entertaining today, let me tell you. Let me just warn you of the energetic and the entertaining. Local, state, national news and politics. Uh, we maybe talk a little axe throwing in bars and such. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today. We're thankful for that and also thankful that you are spending some time with us here through your radio at Information 1000 KSOO, streamed live at KSOO.com on the KSOO mobile app, which you gots the gots to get. Gots the gots to get you the KSOO mobile app. Just go to whatever platform you use, type in KSOO, boom, you'll see it. Download it, touch it, stream it. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook at the KSOO page. I share it on my page too, but you can get to it right through the KSOO page. And of course, we are on the Twitters at P. Lally Show, where Mr. Peters, the aforementioned Uber producer, is busily uh, posting various pieces of information for you to consume and or comment upon. I had mentioned, uh, Dan, I had mentioned Monday, Tuesday, no, Tuesday, I had talked about this yesterday, about my evil plan to create the uh, lawn mowing syndicate uh, amongst the uh, uh, younger people who live in the house I stay in. Oh, yes. And uh, so stage one, well, stage one had kind of been ongoing. Uh, it was it was there, uh, you know, it was developing for a little while with the nine-year-old. And that we experienced some catastrophic failure there on Tuesday night. Or on, when was that? It was Monday night. Monday night, we experienced some catastrophic failure, as you remember, and just a, just a, just a refusal to continue. So that, that didn't turn out so well. And then, uh, but last night, okay, the, the, the seven-year-old, the young lady of the home, had expressed a deep interest in uh, uh, lawn mowing, mostly because of the lure of uh, the promise of $5. The deal is, $5 for the front, $5 for the back, if I have to help, okay, which is fine. $10 for the front, $10 for the back, if I don't have to help. If I can sit there with, in the lawn chair with my adult beverage and just supervise, okay? So that's, that's tantalizing. And what they don't know, what the young people of the home don't know, is that I had a secret spiff awaiting. An additional $5 if they did it all. In one fell swoop, 25 bucks to mow the lawn. That's not exactly filthy lucre. <laughs> no, it's not. But when you're seven and nine, I, that's serious coin. I mean, if you really started getting behind this and you're talking about a weekly episode, you could raise some money. Yeah, you're raking. Yeah, for when you're seven or nine. And originally that was only intended for the nine-year-old because, frankly, uh, I never expected the seven-year-old to get involved in this sort of situation, okay, because she's seven, right? But then uh, when, when, when the whole thing with the nine-year-old started to, to kind of come undone, uh, the seven-year-old, like, started seeing an opportunity. Let's just say that. There's some entrepreneurialism here. Seeing a need, filling the need, taking the money. So I was, I was still pretty skeptical. So I had had to finish the front yard on, on Monday. So last night, got to do the backyard. So I got to do it anyway. So roll everything out there. And, uh, you know, she's not tall, right? Like if the handle, the mower handles up where I use it, it's over her head. <laughs> or not really overhead, but, you know, eye level. Yeah, there are balance issues here. Yeah. I'm seeing. Well, it's self-propelled, you know. So, but you can adjust it down, but she didn't like it all the way down. And so, and you know, we're just doing this thing and blah, 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 blah. and uh, then I'm telling her how a mower works, right? You got to hold this and then you put, and again, mowers have come a long way. They're not, you know, you don't, if you're, if you're, uh, you have to uh, do things to keep them running before you had to do things to shut them off. So this is good. 
But I'm still, and I'm a little worried because, you know, it's a mower. You know, it's a piece of power equipment. You don't want to just willy-nilly take off with this thing. Uh, but much to my surprise, uh, once we went through the safety course, uh, she grabbed hold of that cord. Boom. No. Boom. No. She gave it a mighty long pull. Started the mower right up. And uh, she would. She wanted to handle right in the middle, and I showed her you can adjust the, you know, the the uh, self control, the the you know, and so I made it so she couldn't go that fast. But she, she looked underneath the bar, started mowing. She was mowing the lawn. She was mowing the lawn. I could not believe it. And as every blade of grass gets cut, the grin on your face gets wider and wider. <laughs> a little wider. bit. But here's where it started going bad. She started getting excited about uh, showing uh, mom and her brother how to start, that she could just start the mower. So she'd do one pass, turn it off, turn it around, try and start the mower. And she got so that she could hold the handle herself and start it herself. And then sometimes it wouldn't go so well, I have to help. But now... Uh, she did kind of peter out in the middle. So she got a lot done, and she also started doing circles, uh, trying to draw hearts, um, things of this nature <laughs> that really probably uh, thwarted her ability to collect the entire $5. But we did agree. We came to an agreement. I had to finish it. Came to agreement, two bucks. So huge victory last night out in the lawn work. I don't know, does it look similar to like the 2018 All-Star Game logo out there? That's what she was going for. There you go. That's what she was going for. Um, she actually said that. She she only would go, she'd make a pass and then skip one and then come back the other way. So it was up, down, up, down, because she said that she wanted it to look like a baseball field. I said, that's not exactly how that works, but, you know, it's pretty cool nonetheless. So I, and the other good thing about this is now... Nine-year-old sees, whoa, 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 I feel an encroachment upon my enterprise. I think we got, like we got a nice competition going here. This may work out for me yet. There are still some kinks to work out in your plan, I think. But I, I would imagine be as adjustable as possible yes. going Flexible. forward on this. Flexible, yes. yeah. So, but the, they still don't know about the $25 deal. That's going to be my, my coup de gras when I finally drop that on them. Watch their eyes get big. Anyway, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the rest of the summer, but I'm extremely optimistic about the rest of the show today because we have a fantastic show. Congressional candidate Dusty Johnson, you know Dusty, just won the Republican nomination for the U.S. House. He's going to be here because he's, uh, he's uh, a player, not a player, a, uh, a bit part. He's got a bit part in this whole uh, Maria Butina, the Russians among us, spy scandal that we'll talk about in a little. He, and we're going to talk about that with Dusty. He's not afraid of this. And uh, some other stuff. Well, Dusty will be here in the second hour. Pat Powers with Dakota War College blog. He'll be talking politics from the GOP perspective. And multimedia star and pop culture critic Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day. I will have a P&L statement just after the break. Oh, I can't, I can't let this pass. Cannot let this pass, people. The Russian in our midst. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Twenty on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and it is time for the PNL statement, as indicated by our friends, the Bodines, and they get a little closer to free, as we will try to today. Oh, but you know who may not be getting a little closer to free? Mm, I hate to say it, uh, 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 our old friend. Well, I, a lot of you people probably had never heard of Paul Erickson before, maybe yesterday, but uh, people in political circles had, and. Uh, uh, I became familiar with Mr. Erickson uh, in about 2003 um, when uh, I edited a uh, uh, rather long uh, profile that uh, Dave Kranz wrote back then between the 
major elections in 2002 and 2004 about Mr. Erickson and his involvement in uh, trying to take down Tom Daschle. And he's huge. Uh, he's back. I had forgotten all about Paul Erickson. And so you're following the news uh, on this uh, uh, Russian spy. And I'm going to go ahead and call her a spy, Maria Butina. Okay. Uh, because she's she's basic. She's been charged with failing to register as a foreign agent, but she's a spy. That, let's not let's not mince words. So she's got a Russian handler. Uh, she's got uh, all. So in the, the 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 documents that have been filed are just rich. Okay, and we don't got time to go through them all today. But let's just say this. Let's break this down. Here's the way it comes out now. So uh, Maria Butina is this sort of uh, uh, very attractive young lady. 29, and uh, she gets involved with uh, Russian uh, intelligence people and comes to the United States and uh, studies at American University and starts meeting lots of political people. And, 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 and one of the people she meets, actually in Russia, is Paul Erickson, who is from Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls businessman, Paul Erickson, longtime political operative. Uh, he ran the... Uh, uh, Pat Buchanan campaign in 1992 in New Hampshire. He's got some real credentials. You know, he's been in politics a long time. Uh, not everybody liked Paul Erickson. That's fair to say. But uh, so these two become, shall we say, involved. And uh, but what's it's such a great story. OK, it's just great story. It's like a movie script. And so the documents that came out today, our friend uh, Corey uh, Heidelberg, Heidelberg of the Dakota Free Press has gone through all the all the uh, uh, documents here, or a lot of them uh, that the government has filed in this case, and I so I give him credit for you know sort of condensing this for me. But a lot of this information comes right from the case against Maria Butina. Um, so she was getting ready to move. So Erickson, Paul Erickson, fifty six, and uh, Maria Butina, twenty nine, had shacked up out there in Washington, had a little apartment. And uh, she was getting ready to leave the country, apparently, or at least back to South Dakota. Um, and it's it's uh, it's awesome because uh, so Erickson is not uh, identified in these documents. Right. But whenever you hear person number one, U.S. person number one, that's Paul Erickson. Um, and he assisted her in getting in the country. He assisted her around the country. Uh, there's just uh, really Really great stuff in here, um, and in, including the fact that basically uh, Butina set him up. Let's just say it. Now, I don't mean like maybe wasn't particularly uh, uh, sincere about a relationship. Is that fair to say? So, it, you know, he uh, the FBI has discovered text messages and emails between U.S. person number one and Butina, in which Butina would routinely ask person number one to help her complete her academic assignments by editing her papers and answering exam questions. In other words, although she attended classes and completed coursework without outside help or with outside help, attending American University, it was Boutina's cover while she continued to work on behalf of the Russian official, which is a uh, uh, intelligence dude. Oh, boy. So Boutina told the Senate Intelligence Committee in April that she was having a romantic relationship with Mr. Erickson, and this is from the papers. During the course of this investigation, the FBI has determined that Butina gained access through U.S. person number one to an extensive network of U.S. persons in positions to influence political activities in the United States. Uh, they are believed to have cohabitated and been involved in a personal relationship during the course of Butina's activities in the United States. Okay, and this is, but this relationship does not represent a strong tie in the, to the United States because Butina appears to treat it as simply a necessary aspect of her activities. For example, on at least one occasion, Butina offered an individual other than U.S. person number one sex in exchange for a position within a special interest organization. Further, in papers seized by the FBI, Butina complained about living with U.S. person number one and expressed disdain for continuing to cohabitate with U.S. person number one. So things are going poorly for Paul Erickson, it would seem. Because... Not only is he getting uh, played by the young lady, uh, he's maybe in, you know, big trouble. Big trouble. Now, he's not been charged with anything, certainly not. 
but uh, in a, this is also from the papers. In addition, on July 12, 2018, Butina and U.S. person number one were observed entering a bank in Washington, D.C. and sending an international wire transfer in the amount of $3,500 to an account in Russia. Huh. Although the government doesn't proffer that it knows the purpose of that transfer at this point, the amount shows her access to funds and the location to recipient underscores her ties to Russia. They had set up a company in South Dakota in Sioux Falls for the express purposes of, of funding her graduate studies at American. Uh, but as it turns out, she has many, many ties to many, many rich oligarchs in Russia, Mother Russia. So, you know, I'm wondering if this isn't, I wonder if, if this is what Paul Erickson hears when he slips off to sleep. Caterpillar engaging. Oh, it's good stuff. From the uh, hunt for Red October. Yes. Uh, I don't know what uh, Mr. Erickson is now hunting, <laughs> but it is not. It is not Red October. Got to feel bad for him. Uh, it's only going to get better. Uh, I expect we're going to be hearing about uh, uh, this for some time to come. And uh, much more to hear about what's going on. It's just fascinating. It's great to watch. It's fantastic theater. And uh, our connections to uh, this story just make it better. Of course, uh, Ms. Butina also was uh, shepherded around South Dakota by Mr. Erickson. She spoke at uh, USD. She spoke to some kids at uh, CTE in the school district here and uh, was a speaker at uh, Dusty Johnson's uh, Republican, young Republican camp out in the Black Hills. We'll talk to Dusty about that later. Um, yeah. All good. Washington Post story here. Uh, so it, don't take my word for it on the connection between U.S. person number one and uh, Paul Erickson. Everybody's making that connection here, including the Post. Erickson matches a description of an American described in court filings as a political operative who helped introduce Butina to influential American political fir- figures, quote, for the purpose of advancing the agenda of the Russian Federation. That's where I think Mr. Erickson might be in some trouble. He's not spoken. If he's, if you're, Paul, if you're in town and listening, uh, 338-KSOO. <laughs> probably under advisement from his legal counsel. Yeah. He should probably I, not. I wonder if Mr. Erickson isn't under a hot light somewhere. Um, yeah, so you know, they would go to NRA conventions and uh, all kinds of good stuff. It's, it's lovely to have a, a, such a deep connection to a story this big um gotta love it it's a gift that keeps on giving that's the bottom line on today's pnl statement agree or disagree with me and there's not much to disagree with there but uh drop me line patrick at kso.com we'll continue to watch that story for you and we'll be talking about it a little more later in the show with dusty johnson this is the patrick lally show information 1000 kso <laughs> Thirty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and uh, it's Wednesday. And most Wednesdays during the Weird Friends segment, we have Scott Hudson. Who I, uh, Scott, I I came up with this n- new description for you: multimedia star and pop culture critic Scott Hudson. How's that sound? Oh, I like that. I yeah. like that. I need to, I need to get business cards with that. I I kind of like it. You know, we spent a couple of weeks talking about your entree into uh, uh, the whole. Uh, illustrated uh, online TV commentary at the TV party app for the Big Brother Gossip Show. So uh, that's that's the multimedia part of it. That, so you got you've got uh, like radio on the show, then you've got yes. podcasts, and then you've got yes. uh, online TV show, and yes. uh, uh, you're everywhere, man. You're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, well, what can I say? I'm a media whore. <laughs> So hey, before we get started, just because you're a pop culture guy, and this has sort of a, a pop culture feel, even though it's politics, I've been talking about it, is uh, have you been paying any attention to the uh, Russian spy in our midst story? Yeah, you know, uh, one of my favorite TV shows of the last five years was The Americans, and I never, ever 
thought I'd see a real-life version happen in my part of the country. Isn't that weird? It's very, very strange. It's very strange. And uh, I don't know, if you're our age and somebody in their late 20s who just happens to be from Russia thinks, you know, is pretending that they like you. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You might want to be a little (laughs) bit suspicious. Uh, She might be a Russian spy if she meets one of these following criteria. Yeah, I mean. Oh, man. There may be a lot of reasons why she likes you, but uh, I can't think of any of them right now except for green card information or money. (laughs) Uh, Well, we shouldn't laugh at poor Paul Erickson's fate because it's a serious story, serious business, but the fact that it has these kind of made-for-TV moments in it is just It's it's just insane. It's insane. That's right. Um, But that's not why I brought you on. We don't talk politics with Scott too much. Um, The... uh, uh, Say, have you, this is, seems like something that's right up your alley, okay? Okay. The uh, uh, people getting uh, called into the cops because they seem suspicious. And the one I thought about the other day was there's a woman, she's running for Congress. Oh, man, I can't remember where it is. But she's an African-American woman. She's running for Congress, and she was door knocking, you know, just going through right. the, her district where she lives. Right. And somebody called the cops on her because they thought she was suspicious. Okay, this is the old Scott Hudson coming out here. This is the get out of town. Finally. Uh, I remember after 9-11, there was that big deal that, you know, Bush was telling the citizens, you know, to, you know, keep your eyes open for suspicious behavior. And even then I thought, oh, God, this is not going to end up well. But nothing really came out of it at that time. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, it's like daily, we have these videos of these weight-challenged white people calling the cops for things that, I mean, a little girl selling bottled water. Yeah, Uh, I know. A a person going swimming in their own apartment complex. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yes. A guy waiting in the parking lot for his wife to get off work. It's just insane, the busybodies that... Look, if they're committing a real crime, right. yeah, call the cops. Um, a barbecue that has a barbecue pit that may be an inch too big, that's not a reason you call the cops. <laughs> yeah, somebody, you know, having a campfire in the backyard, don't have that. You don't need yeah, to Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just don't understand. And in all these videos, these people that are doing this, they believe they are completely in the right. And I'm just looking at how could anyone believe that they are doing a good thing, that they're doing anything but sticking their nose in things that they shouldn't be sticking their nose in well, and looking like complete racist at the same time. There, there you go. And then it has the added component of being racist because it's always yeah. uh, an overweight white person calling in for somebody of color who just yeah. is on the street. Or you got these angry white dudes in Texas, I think it was Texas, it could be anywhere, you know, chasing a, a Latino guy out of a park because he's wearing a, what, what was it, like a Puerto Rico flag shirt? It was a, it was a woman, it was a, it was a Puerto Rican flag shirt, yep, and she's like, go yeah. back to your country. Uh, that guy, that was classic because that was all caught on video, and that guy yeah. was so clearly classic and this happened to be southern southern cracker <laughs> yeah i mean i thought i was watching live pd there for a second yeah. while i was watching that video i mean that looks like some of the clowns that appear on that show i mean i just don't get it i just don't get it i mean even if you have those feelings about people that are different than you why would you be so public about showcasing that you have these feelings right then you tape it <laughs> yeah Put it on. Put it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I, I just. Oh, we white people are just idiots. <laughs> well, it's. It has been. Uh, there are plenty of examples. I think the other one. I was. This one turned violent. Some of them are just annoying. This one was violent. Where there was a uh, guy's an actual Mexican citizen, but he was visiting his family. Uh, he was like seventy-five years old, and he was walking down the street, and some punks beat him up. They beat him up. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
for no reason other no other reason than he was walking down the street um yeah, and telling him to go back to his country which he was doing he was just visiting so yeah i, I mean we, 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 there's always been that joke you know being arrested for being you know whatever i mean that's being hassled for being whatever you know that's yeah. just everybody just live their own life yes you know? Don't worry do what you so can to improve your own life. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. What do you, and the one with the woman who was campaigning, um, and I think it was actually in, I don't want to say Idaho, maybe Utah, where uh, she was, the, the sheriff's deputy showed up and made her sit on the ground with her hands behind her back. And she was interviewed and, and the, the deputy was very polite. I mean, he was fine. He's like, I got this call. I and she ended up talking to the woman who reported her on the policeman's phone, and she was very magnanimous and very forgiving and very trying to reach out and solve the problem. But Boy, that's, that's, I, I wouldn't do that. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> There's no way I would be that nice. No, no. But we have never walked in shoes of that sort, so... No, you know we we don't know how we would react if we were of of nope. in that situation like they are. Nope, and you don't you wonder how many times that happens. Just those are the ones you hear yeah. about, right? Right, right. We got we got every phone has a camera now, so that's why we're seeing it more often. Right, and you know it happens here. People see uh, a black guy on their street, and they're like, "Well, what's he doing in my neighborhood?" You know. Yeah, and again, yeah. we all have. Uh, social bias, right? Cultural bias. Oh, definitely. It's it's just a matter of asking yourself the question: Is that why am I why am I worried? If that was a white guy, would I be worried? No, you'd be like, yeah. oh, I wonder who that is. You know. Now, I might be worried if there's a guy walking with a Confederate flag shirt down. <laughs> you know, sure. And that's a bias sure. I have, and I'd have to sure. ask myself: Am I am I suspicious of that guy because? He looks like he's, you know, not supposed to be here or am I, sus- you know, or is there a real suspicion? And should I call the cops? <laughs> well, my first instinct wouldn't be to call the cops. My yeah. first instinct would be maybe let's keep an eye on him yeah. for a bit and see what, his, what, what he's doing. Yeah. Or say hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, dude. What's going on, man? <laughs> Got any Kanye albums? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hey, Scott, I want to ask you about something else. Uh, I wanted to ask you about axe throwing in bars. Can you oh, stick around for a minute? Speaking of things that white people do they shouldn't <laughs> be doing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to come right back and talk more about axe throwing in bars with Scott Hudson on an extended dance play version of Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Three forty-nine on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSO, and we return to our conversation with my weird friend, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the what? Now I forgot. Multimedia star and pop culture critic Scott Hudson. That's me. Uh, <laughs> that's me. Um, so uh, I said before the break, uh, I wanted to ask you about this axe throwing thing. So last night, the city council approved a uh, a. a conditional use permit, whatever it was, they allowed axe throwing at this new adult game room thing downtown. I, the first thing I thought was this, this can't be good. Can it? No, no, no. I mean, don't meatheads have enough places to go to a town <laughs> for a drink? Um, <laughs> I, I just, I just envision a, a bunch of morons wearing tank tops, you know, flexing their, their, their muscles in between every toss. I, I don't get it. I, I can't have a beer while I go watch a British, British historical movie at the movie theater, but I can watch a possible recreation of the demise of Mary, Queen of Scots. <laughs> this, wait a minute. I think this might be playing in the background when, when, when this is going on. I'm, I'm not sure. This might be the theme music. <laughs> <laughs> Culturally and practically... 
Molly Hatchet yeah. might be the uh, the theme music. Yeah, of yeah. Oh God. Um, on on the face of it, I I don't care. Just because I would just never go there. I don't. I wouldn't understand why I would go there. But given that. God, it was only two months ago that they denied the West Mall Theater of getting a beer license. I, yeah. just, I don't know how you can justify one and not the other. And that's what it all, it, that's what it comes down to in the end. I'm sure these people who are opening the, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's going where Mingwa used to be. It's going to be like a game room. I, I don't really know. The, you know, it might be a totally cool place. I don't mean to disparage yeah, the place. Be. And they might have a great safety uh, system in, involved. But you just told a movie theater they couldn't have a beer license, but axe throwing is okay. It's just bad optics, right? Yeah, I just, oh, there's just so many things that could go wrong there. I, 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 uh, so maybe if they, uh, when the movie theater. What kind of insurance do you have to get (laughs) to allow axe tossing? Yeah, you're going down the, you're sitting with your agent and you're like, oh, okay, you want to open this business? Okay, you're going to serve alcohol. That is an issue. You got to have this, uh, you gotta, gotta have to take all your people through the testing and everything. You gotta make sure. Oh, axe throwing. Yeah, mm, yeah. That's we're a, gonna have a bar. <laughs> we're gonna have a bar that has a demolition derby pit in the back. <laughs> yes, yes. We're gonna do uh, pit bull tricks with a demolition derby and axe throwing. <laughs> there we go. High end clientele. Oh my wow. god. My God. City sometimes. Hey, uh, before I let you go, you got to give me a Hudson hot pick of the week. What's going on musically, man? Yeah, last Friday, a uh, record came out by uh, a fav- old favorite band of mine, the Jayhawks from Minneapolis. Yes. And uh, it's called Back Rows and Abandoned Motels. And what it is, is very interesting. It is um, a collection of songs that Gary Loris, the leader of the Jayhawks, has written for other artists. He's now record. They've now recorded them themselves, uh, like a couple songs. Jacob Dylan, mm-hmm. you know, from the Wallflowers, recorded uh, three songs. I think uh, the Dixie Chicks recorded. So these are songs he's given away in the past, and he's reclaiming them. And it's a really, really nice record. It sounds like the Hollywood Town Hall era Jayhawks, yes. which is the best era for that band. Yep. And actually, last night I listened to that record just by happenstance. And uh, oh, really? Yep. It's awesome. I loved it. And yeah. then. Listen to Hollywood Town Hall right after that, just to remind myself how great that record is. That is, I mean, it, it's weird to me because in the early '90s, when I started to kind of separate what I liked from the people I went to school with that mm-hmm. had cool music days, because they just stopped, and I could never understand. They would listen to, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash, or, mm-hmm. or you know, things like that. The Jayhawks are just a modern day extension of those kind of acts. If they were still listening to new music. And I played that album for a lot of people, and I never had someone say they didn't like it. No, it's powerful. It's just the harmonies are powerful. It's just great. Yeah. The musicianship is awesome. It's an amazing record. I, I had been a long time since I listened to it, and I was really happy to hear it. Scott Hudson, he is our, uh, see, I keep screwing up. I got to get this down. Multimedia star and pop culture critic. And uh, we like having him on the show every Wednesday because he talks about a lot of stuff. So, Scott, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Coming up after the break and the news and weather at the top of the hour, we're going to talk with Pat Powers from DakotaWarCollege.com and then Dusty Johnson. Stay close. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. Know your rights. Hey, everybody. It's Patrick Lally Show at 358. On Information 1000 KSOO, coming up this weekend, it is Jazz Fest, as you may have heard, Friday and Saturday. Friday night, Jimmy Vaughn, Saturday night, Taj Mahal. But there's activities all day, food, drink, and fun for the kiddies. Coming up after the news and weather, we're going to chat with Pat Powers from the Dakota War College blog on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it is Wednesday, and most Wednesdays at 4 o'clock, we like to chat with Pat Powers from the Dakota War College blog from his base up in Brookings, South Dakota. Pat, how are you today? 
doing great. It's a uh, it's it's a great day to be in Brookings. Uh, weather's weather's nice and. Uh, Sounds like uh, most of the politics are happening down away from me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly true. So I got to ask you right off the bat: news of the day is the whole uh, ongoing story about the Maria Butina, and for us, her contacts to South Dakota and Paul Erickson and all that. As a as a political insider, what do you make of this? You know, uh, I, I know there's some of the Democrats trying to make hay over it, but. You know, sometimes you have a, a bad actor go through and, and you know, they're not doing anything wrong here. And then several years later, they show up in the news and you go, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and, and that's the kind of situation as it relates to South Dakota politics, because uh, I, I know that uh, I, I know this gal actually happened to be out speaking to the teenage Republican camp uh, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't think she managed to recruit any of the teenagers because she wasn't one. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, she was apparently it, able to uh, recruit a middle-aged white guy. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, that, I, I think I saw a movie about that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's probably, that's what makes this story so intriguing right now today is that as the details come out, it's getting very salacious. Well, you, you know, a uh, single, single middle-aged balding guy and, and <laughs> hot 20-some-year-old Russian spy. It, it does sound like something out of the movies. Yeah, well, we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, getting back to South Dakota politics, um, there, uh, you on your Dakota War College blog, dakotawarcollege.com, uh, there's a, a lot going on in the, the broader world. One of the things I want to ask you about is, uh, and, and you've written about this extensively, is the, the Dems had a little whoops in their state convention. Uh, as an insider, Now, and you're going to, speaking of making hay, you've been making some yeah. hay out of this. Uh, they, what did they do wrong? They got to have to reconvene? What? Well, it's, uh, it is kind of interesting because so far this election season, the Republican Party is, has been the only party who's managed to follow state law in how they have convened their convention and, and how they've reported their results. And so everybody else, libertarians, Democrats, and Constitution Party, they've, they're all having to call a do-over. Uh, now, libertarians did their, they had their problem early on, mm-hmm. and, and they resolved it early on because they, they kind of got snowed out at their convention and didn't have a quorum. But oh. one of the other errors was uh, they didn't name a lieutenant governor when they nominated their candidate for governor because the third party candidates, or I should say the third parties have, uh, the courts have given them a, a little extra incentive where they can name their candidates all at their convention. Mm-hmm. Republican Party and Democrat Party are too big for that. So so they w- were given the opportunity to name their governor at their convention, and they named their governor, but not the lieutenant governor. Oops. So they, yeah, oops. <laughs> so they had to have a do-over. Well, come around this summer when Democrats had their convention, uh, they they put in the call for convention, but... When they reported the results, uh, they didn't follow state law in reporting the results. So, literally, they they had all this convention, and it was for naught, because now they screwed it up, and they had to have a do-over. Now, they're, they're trying to claim, well, this is just a, a minor paperwork thing, and we've done this before. Well, you know, they did it back, I believe it was... 2012 or 2014, mm-hmm. they screwed it up then, and it was embarrassing for them, and they had to convene uh, a quick convention to ratify everything. Well, here they've done this again within within 10 years, literally. It's kind of uh, shocking. Well, you know, here here they had contested races. Yeah. They had two, two big candidates for attorney general, and, you know, they name everybody and say, here's our winning candidates. And then if you, if you look at the Secretary of State's website, they've all been yanked off the ballot because their chairman screwed it up. Is this a case where, and I, I'm not, you're not privy to the details really because you're not inside there, but it, 
it's pretty cut and dry. There's a, de- there's a deadline when you have to have your paperwork into the Secretary of State's office, right? Well, correct. There's, there's a deadline of just a couple of days, and then uh, it has to be certified by the uh, chair of the convention and, I think, the secretary of the convention. But what Democrats did is they just had the party chairman sign off on it and called it good. Mm. They didn't bother to look at what state law actually requires. Uh, I know with uh, the Republican Party, uh, we're, we're a little more paranoid because in politics, the, the paranoid survive. So, I mean, they've, they've had, uh, you know, they had their counsel, uh, Justin Bell. I mean, he looks at, you know, they look through this with detail and they dot every I and cross every T and, and, uh, they're, you know, they're justified, justified to be paranoid about it because they know the Democrats are there looking over our shoulder. Well, and that's and, what the Republicans uh, did to the Democrats, right? And when they screwed it up, didn't, uh, Dan Lederman, the, the Republican chair, say, hey, they screwed that up. Isn't that how that came about? Or did I got those well, details a little wrong? Well, no, no, that's that's exactly what came up. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, and Democrats are were trying to claim, well, you know, they don't, uh, you know, they're they're not playing fair and they've let it go before. But, you know, these this is the same Democrat Party who it's my understanding uh, through the through the grapevine and my my spies, I had heard that they had, rec- uh, at the time where candidates filed their petitions, I was told they, uh, Democrats, requested literally every single Republican petition, and they went through it with a uh, fine-tooth comb to try to kick people off the ballot. Well, sure they did. So so if, if they're saying, well, you know, Republicans are just doing to us and they're not being very nice about it, yeah, don't kid yourself. They're, uh, they... They do their diligence as much as anybody, and this was just one where they got caught with their pants down. And now that one is not even as egregious as what just happened this last weekend with the Constitution Party and their disaster of a convention. Well, they're kind of a disaster of a party sometimes. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with the people or their platform. We're not questioning their politics, but sometimes the organization's a little loosey-goosey. What the heck happened, though? Well, uh, I, I <laughs> well, you say sometimes not people. Uh, we were dealing with uh, Laura Hubble. I'm trying who, to be nice. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you're on the radio. You have to be nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we, we were dealing with uh, everybody's favorite politician who switches party at the drop of a hat. We had Laura Hubble, who two years ago had been named Constitutional Party Chair. Now, since then, she had dropped out of the Constitution Party, was running as a Republican, switched parties. I mean, she ran in the Republican primary for state Senate. So, you know, she was absolutely a Republican, but Mm -hmm. then she switched party to run back for Constitution. Well, she's claiming, she was claiming because uh, she was named the Constitution Party chair in 2016, and there had never been an intervening filing Hmm. that she was technically still chair. And then you had Lori Stacy, who's a character in and of herself. You had Lori Stacy uh, uh, coming in and saying, "Well, no, Laura had resigned, so I'm chair." And and that battle is still continuing to this day. At the convention, it, they got bickering back and forth so much. And you had Terry Lafleur, who mm-hmm. also ran as a Republican, now a Constitution Party candidate. Apparently, the bickering got. So bad, they called up Gordon Howey, of all people, who was switched <laughs> to Constitution Party, to try to act as a chairman pro tem. Oh, man. And so the whole thing just dissolved, and, and they ended up, everybody left without nominating any candidates. So, so they have to come back, too. Well, they have to come back, too. But what they've done since this last weekend is Laura Hubble, Laura Hubble as chairman of the Constitution Party, has requested, uh, or she has filed for a uh, meeting in Pier on August 14th. And Lori Stacy, also claiming to be chair, also filed in to have uh, the Constitution Party convention on August 14th in Pier at a different location. Oh, so, 
So right now, and the Secretary of State has adopted the position. They're saying we're just uh, we're just an agency of filing. You guys fight it out and then report it when you're done. Yeah, let us so, know when you're finished with this, and we'll put somebody on the ballot if you make the yeah. deadline. Well, I, and what what it's probably going to end up with is I would not be shocked to see uh, people try to fight it out in court. And keep in mind, this is a party with oh, four to four to five hundred candidates or four to five hundred voters in mm-hmm. the state, yeah. and so they'll probably spend, you know, they're probably going to spend a few thousand dollars just to fight out who is the nominee for this party of four hundred and some candidates. <laughs> good luck. And with so that. it's yeah, good luck with that. It's uh, it's literally just a circus. Um, we're going to come right back and talk more with Pat Powers. Uh, we're going to chat about other political matters and uh, regarding the GOP. Just after this break, we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four twenty-two on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our chat with Pat Powers from Dakota War College blog, based up in Brookings, South Dakota. And Pat, I was just looking at your uh, blog, and there's this uh, post you have, GOP legislative leaders drop the hammer on members forming competing causes, caucuses. Uh, is this the, uh, this is the, the, the Republican Party coming down on Stace Nelson in those guys? Well, I, I think it's, uh, it's a bit of a line in the sand, because what, uh, what, Senator Nelson, in, in addition to, you know, his, his continuous criticism of the Republican caucus and, and, and working with uh, Democrat leadership to try to stop Republican leadership, uh, they've, uh, they, they've kind of drawn that line in the sand and said, you know, the, uh, the, your formation of the conservative caucus based on, uh, based on the, uh, there's a scorecard out there mm-hmm. that you know, it's some people allege that he created it, and and he claims that uh, Citizens for Liberty created it. But uh, basically, he created a caucus where only people who meet a certain level of criteria for the scorecard can join his caucus, and uh, uh, and they're they're doing this so they can raise money, and because nobody else will give them money, and uh, you know, it's just a it's just a little bizarre. He's kind of set himself up as having his his own caucus because he doesn't get along with the Republican caucus. No, and, he's been kicked out of the Republican caucus in past years, right? That has well, happened. In, in, yeah, in, in a past year, he, uh, uh, you know, there's a chain of events where he he did uh, he was asked to just go have a timeout from the uh, House Republican caucus for uh, for a few weeks. And uh, so this is they're they're drawing a line in the sand, saying, "Look, if you know you can you can go have your own caucus. That's great. Do what you want to do, but don't expect that we're going to be helping to fund your campaign if you're creating your com- own competing caucus because it is competing. They're they're out there uh, claiming they want to help raise money. And and interestingly, during the Republican primary." Uh, the the Stace Nelson caucus actively endorsed candidates, mm-hmm. some of whom were running against. Uh, in fact, in many instances, were running against incumbent Republican legislators. So, mm-hmm. you know, is it is it appropriate for them to say, look, if you're going to be competing with us for money and and competing with us for candidates and and uh, and spending your time throwing rocks, uh, we're not necessarily going to support you if. You know, if, if if you're the Elks Club and one of your members gets mad and goes and forms the Moose Club, <laughs> it shouldn't be a surprise that the Elks Club isn't going to send money to the Moose Club. You know, the the interesting thing, and I read, uh, and you can go see the whole letter on uh, dakotawarcollege.com, is there's a series of points that you, and, and you have to sign as a member uh, or future member of the Republican caucus, either a Republican in the House or the Senate, you have to sign this document and return it to them. Which I'm not surprised by the sort of pledges of loyalty, because if you're going to get money and resources, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this there's a there's a like a confidentiality clause in there, and that surprises me a little bit. And just the fact that you have to sign this document that that's a little bit unusual, isn't it? 
Well, I, I, I think what it, what it is, it's the answer to the dilemma that the Republican caucus has. You know, are, are they going to help and support these candidates only to, to have them turn around and start throwing rocks at them? And, and they're just, I think what they're looking for is a little reassurance that, you know, if you're, if you're going to do that, great, but don't expect us to write you a big check or, or help you in your campaign. And I think this is the solution to that dilemma of trying to figure out, okay, or, you know, who's, who is actually uh, going to be caucusing with us and who's just saying that so they can get a check. Yeah. It's very interesting to watch is uh, uh, there, the various iterations of this uh, little friction in peer continue to raise their heads. We'll see how it turns out this session and who signs well, and who doesn't, right? Well, you know, it, and that's interesting because, you, you know, we're coming off of the Republican convention where, you know, you had uh, Stace Nelson challenge Christy Nome's pick for lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, you know, there's probably a little more friction than people think out there because uh, that's that's pretty unheard of yeah. uh, to to challenge the the winning candidate's selection for lieutenant governor. Uh, and And there's been a lot of friction between uh, Stace and Larry Roden in the past because, and a lot of it goes back to the fact that they ran against each other in that 2014 U.S. Senate primary. Ah, yes. Things always come around, don't they, Pat? <laughs> and they thank, do. And <laughs> thank God we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Uh, Pat Powers, he blogs at dakotawarcollege.com uh, on GOP issues and uh, uh, other things as they arise. And uh, we like to have him on most Wednesdays. Pat, thanks a lot. Hey, thank you for having me. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's Dusty Johnson, candidate for U.S. House and the Republican Party. And uh, we're going to chat a little bit about the Russian spy who spoke to the young Republicans and other issues. Always great to talk to Dusty. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. From the sky we look so organized and brave Walls that make up barricades and graves 436 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and uh, I am very happy to have on the phone today uh, a very popular guy uh, for a lot of reasons, Dusty, (laughs) (laughs) a GOP uh, candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, Dusty Johnson, and we like to talk to Dusty anytime because it's informative and uh, always challenging and and intellectually stimulating, but uh, today, Dusty, first of all, thanks for uh, giving us some time. Now, you, when you, by challenging, you mean I'm a good interview and it's a fun back and forth, not that I'm a pain in the butt, right? That's exactly what I meant, exactly how good. you put it. And I, I say that from the bottom of my heart. It's always... Uh, when my wife calls me challenging, she means something different. We understand that. That's what she tells me, too. Um, the, uh, <laughs> oh, man, that was not nice. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you're in the news... Uh, or tangentially right now because of the whole issue about uh, uh, Maria Butina, who's been charged with being a foreign, unregistered foreign agent, uh, and uh, that translates informally to spy. But um, she was in South Dakota speaking to some organizations uh, uh, in the company of Mr. Paul Erickson because he's been connected to South Dakota politics for a long time. And one of the places she spoke was at your uh, young Republican camp in the Black Hills. First of all, uh, how did that ever happen? What, how, how did that come together? It, isn't it exciting that South Dakota's got its own piece of international intrigue here? It doesn't get any better than this, Dusty. It really was interesting. <laughs> I mean, yesterday I was traveling, uh, but every time I seemingly walked into a room that had CNN or any of the other cable stations on, there was the picture of this Marie, uh, Maria Butina. I mean, mm-hmm. this is... This is not like South Dakota news. This is kind of national news with the South Dakota hook. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember my first recollection of ever hearing about uh, Maria Butina was she had spoken at or was speaking at the University of South Dakota, and I saw some flyer about her speaking there. And I don't remember if it was advance notice if it was covering it, but it was a nice flyer, and it kind of gave her background and uh, so she was vaguely on my radar as a person who existed. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then, uh, yeah, Paul Erickson, and I forget whether he emailed or, or called, uh, but uh, said, hey, she's doing a tour. She's talking to schools. She's talking to universities. You know, she's a freedom fighter. Uh, she loves the Second Amendment. Uh, she loves the First Amendment. She's trying to bring those kinds of rights to Russia. Uh, you know, the Putin regime is uh, terrible and onerous, and he's a thug. And, you know, she wants to talk about her experiences of living under this kind of tyranny. And so I did a little searching around, uh, you know, the interwebs, and uh, the she seemed to be, I mean, you know, his description of her seemed to be very consistent with what the Internet uh, showed and what the USD coverage had shown. And so, yeah, we had her in to uh, speak to camp, and it was a pretty effective message. I mean, she painted uh, Vladimir Putin in, in starkly unfavorable terms. I mean, she looked those kids in the eye and told them how lucky they were to live in a country that had the kind of freedoms we have and not to take it for granted. I mean, you know, you're always a little surprised to have anybody that you've ever seen uh, turn out to be a foreign agent, allegedly, um, although I don't have any reason to doubt it. But I would tell you, it was doubly uh, surprising because there wasn't anything about her demeanor that would suspect, that would cause you to suspect she uh, loved Russia at all. Well, and that's the weird thing about it. Her, her message to you was very anti-Putin, and it turns out she's she's very well connected to the Russian government. I don't know how else to put that without saying she's a spy. She's got uh, Russian connections. The documents have are full of email or I mean uh, t- uh, text conversations with high-ranking Russian officials. She is not an anti-Russian government advocate, right? Yeah, she is certainly not anti-Russian. Now, what I don't know because I'm just not enough of a Russian political scientists to understand is, I mean, is it automatically a foregone conclusion that everybody in power in Russia is with Putin? I suspect so, because that's kind of how dictatorships work. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, it's not also impossible to imagine that some of those guys and gals in power uh, in Russia actually do believe Putin is a thug. Because Yeah, but normally, normally when you say that, you get poisoned in London. Yes, you do. I mean... You know, this guy, you know, Putin is, you know, among the very biggest t- dictators we've seen in the last century on this planet. So it's uh, it's hard to imagine somebody like Butina would be out, you know, freelancing on her own with other Russian politicians if, if they didn't have the, the blessing of the Russian government. But, geez, who knows? So you, she came to your attention, and for the record, she spoke for 15 minutes and then moved on. And she spoke at USD, and she spoke at uh, the Sioux Falls School District at the CTE, and you know, that's all fine and good. And, and nobody's contending that, you know, she converted uh, uh, some Russian spies at your young Republican camp. But the, the how she came she to She would have had a better chance at USD. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the, um, the, she came to your attention because of Paul Erickson, however. Now, you've known Paul Erickson for a while. How did you meet Paul Erickson? And what are your connections to him? Yeah, I mean, I, I met him, um, oh, I suppose it's probably you know, between 20 and 25 years ago. Now, I was on campus at USD, and he was an alum of the political science department, and so he would come to uh, meetings of alumni, and that, I mean, that's kind of how people know Paul. He's been around, you know, uh, he is not, I mean, you described him as involved in South Dakota politics. Yeah, that's a stretch. And, yeah, it's a stretch. He is a South Dakotan, and I don't even know how much time he spends uh, in the state. I don't know where he lives. Uh, I don't know if he's got uh, a South Dakota house. I don't know if he's got he a Washington used to. I know, house. I know he used to live here. I don't know if he still lives here because he was living with uh, Maria Butina in Washington, according to the FBI. So I don't right, know if right. he still has an address here or not. Yeah, and so I don't think he – I mean, you never would have seen this guy – uh, at any, you know, at the state capitol. I mean, he was not a South Dakota politics guy. The sense that I got, you know, when, you know, I would see him, uh, you know, less than once a year as a student at these, uh, uh, you know, political science alumni gatherings, because um, I, I doubt he made four out of four. I doubt I made four out of four. But, um, you know, my sense was that he really cared about national politics, but sort of thought the South Dakota side of things was, you know, not nearly important enough. He got involved in the Dashiell campaign. That was one of his big forays into South Dakota with a kind of a third, you know, an outside party ad campaign 
uh, criticizing Dashville. That's probably the highest point of his South Dakota involvement. That I yeah, know. which is also, of course, Dashell was at that point. Yep. I think, if I'm remembering the right uh, year, I mean, at that point, he was really a national figure. Yeah, it was 2003. He was a, he was majority leader of the U.S. Senate, so it was a big dang yeah. deal. Um, yeah, pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, so, for the record, he came to you with Maria Butina, right? Yeah, and I assume, although I don't know, he was also the one that went to, yeah, you know, the other schools and universities that uh, uh, that had her in. Uh, We're going to come right back after this short break and chat more with Dusty Johnson, GOP candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, and uh, we'll see if we can't squeeze in a couple other topics. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe the sun will shine today. The clouds will blow away. 448 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we continue to chat with Dusty Johnson. He, of course, is the Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives on your November ballot. Uh, I should say against Tim Bjorkman uh, is the Democrat, just for the record. Dusty, um, we were talking about uh, Vladimir Putin earlier. Uh, and oh, and don't forget, though, Ron Wazorek and George Henriksen. They're also running. I know, and I always forget that. And, and you're very kind to remind me, and I thank you. Um, the, first of all, uh, what are the prospects for debates? Have you heard anything? When's that all going to start? Probably not till September. Oh, I would, I would, uh, we'll have one at Dakota Fest. I mean, I'm uh, certainly willing. Yep. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I love doing that stuff cause I think it's a great way to, you know, connect with voters, give them a sense of what you think, what you believe. Uh, but I'm sure the state fair will have one, and, mm-hmm. you know, Kelloland and, uh, South Dakota public broadcasting always televise, uh, some in the late fall. And, yeah. I would imagine we'll have a lot more debates than people will want to listen to. <laughs> well, that's right. It's going to be a, a wonky conversation. I keep forgetting that. Um, yeah, right. We were talking about Putin earlier, and you called him, you know, one of the worst dictators of, of the 21st century, or I don't remember exactly your words. But um, what are your thoughts on Helsinki, uh, the president's con- conduct in that press conference, and his alteration of his statements in the recent days? Uh, are you comfortable with the way that happened, or what? What was your reaction? Well, I didn't love Helsinki, you know. And I'll start by telling you, I don't mind that we've got lines of communication. I mean, I think we've got to. I mean, I, I clearly view Russia as an adversary, but I think the world is a safer place if we're uh, trying to keep it, keep open lines of communication and if we're cooperating where we can cooperate. But anytime, I mean, here's where you have to start from. I think. These guys don't like us. They don't like Western civilization. They don't like Western values. They don't love the freedoms we have. Uh, they want to undermine and destabilize the American way of life. All true. And I think if you <laughs> and and there's all kinds of evidence to that. And I think anybody who denies that is just not paying attention. Well, then so, you're no. Just stop right there. Do you think that the president denies that? I you. These statements he's made since don't hold, they're not very credible, okay? When you're standing next to Vladimir Putin and you say those things, that tends to be what people believe. Well, I don't know what he believes. I would tell you he clearly has tried to clarify some of what he said because I think he is, is, is gaining an understanding of how much data and evidence there is. Shouldn't he have known that before he went and sat next to Putin in Helsinki? Yeah, and and I'm, I would bet he had more than an inkling of all that. What I don't know is how much of this is a negotiation tactic. Oh come on! I mean, I don't have any sense for how this guy wants to do business. But I would say this: one of the things that made people on the right most uncomfortable with the Obama approach to foreign policy is they thought it was too deferential. They wanted the American swagger back. They thought that the president, President Obama. Uh, too much about being liked and not enough about being strong. And I think that was part of the appeal of the President Trump foreign policy, is that it was swagger, it was strength-filled, it was well, not he swaggered. He swaggered right off the cliff. And what we saw in Helsinki, at least at that press conference, I have no idea what happened behind closed doors, mm-hmm. of course, but the press conference, I think the reason it was so unnerving to so many people on the right mm-hmm. is that it seemed... 
exceptionally deferential to Vladimir Putin. It did. And that's a hard thing to see if you're uh, an old school conservative. And my impressions of you is that you're a pretty old school conservative. What were, did it make you uncomfortable? Uh, it did. Uh, it did. I mean, I think when you are dealing with uh, an adversary like Russia, you need to have a very Winston Churchill, Ronald Reagan approach. I mean, you do not want to blow up this world, right? I mean, you know, don't be rash, but be strong. I think you need to project a kind of steely resolve. And there are times when I think President Trump does a very good job of that. There were times in his dealings with uh, Kim Jong-un that I felt like he projected that. Now, not early so much when it was Little Rocket Man, mm-hmm. but I think there were times he really settled into understanding the proper uh, posture for him to take. And I did not see that uh, in his dealings with Russia, and I think America would be better off if the president found that steely result. Dusty, that's, uh, I, I take that as a pretty good statement of your position, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your time, sir. And have, have, enjoy the campaign trail. Oh, I love it. We'll talk to you soon, Patrick. See you, Dusty. The, uh, we're coming up with the news and weather at the top of the hour. We'll finish up the show here right after this message. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up, uh, let's see here. This weekend, Jazz Fest. That's right, Jazz Fest. Friday and Saturday, Yankton Trail Park, two-day outdoor music festival with two stages of entertainment, food vendors, wine and beer gardens, arts and crafts, fireworks and more. Jimmy Vaughn's playing Friday night. He's the headliner, but there's music uh, all evening. Taj Mahal headlines Saturday night. That I think the music starts there at like noon. You can get the full schedule at KSO.com at the events calendar. And, uh, of course, there's the second stage and a lot, of, a lot of good stuff going on out there at Yankton Trail Park. You can catch the shuttle. You can ride your bike. I'm actually going to be manning the bike valet volunteering for Spoken Sport on uh, Friday evening. So you can stop by, ride your bike, say howdy to me, and I'll, I'll store and guard your bike for you while you go have fun. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Republican political uh, <laughs> uh, consultant, cotton candy aficionado, and fancy sweater wearer, Tony Reese will be with us, and that'll be awesome. That's all tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.